Welcome to the Living Your Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hale, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Roswell, New Mexico, and I'm your co-host, Sean Lee. We're so honored that you joined us today. It is our purpose at Living Your Dash to help you better connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Well, Rick, we uh, you just finished up the second uh, message and uh, the second uh, section uh, of the book, Weird. Uh, and so, wow, you talked about weird money. So, yeah, what excites you most about, about this topic? Well, it's just so relevant. Uh, money is something we all have to deal with. And I think we have so many misconceptions about money that we just uh, kind of grew up with or created in our brain. You know, things like, well, the the answer to my problems, if I just had more money. Right. Uh, it, that, that's the only issue, if I just had more money. And it, it really isn't the amount of money. It's how you manage the money that you do have. Yeah. And that was the, the thrust, I think, of our, of our study this week. And the sermon in the book Weird by Craig Rochelle really tried to help people understand manage your money, be a good steward of your money, mm -hmm. rather than always wanting what you don't have. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think of some of the, the, the great scriptures that, that the Bible talks a lot about money, of course, and, and you, you've done series on money before. Um, and when I think, I think that there's, there's this tension uh, of we, we should not uh, be a slave to wanting to, to be, uh, to be, uh, to let money control our life. Jesus said very, very plainly that no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one or love the other. Um, but yet I think about that other scripture um, when, when Jesus was, was talking about the, the parable of, uh, of the shrewd manager. And he said something funny uh, about, you know, he said, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that once gone, you'll be welcome to eternal dwellings. So there is something about the, the necessity for using uh, funds, for using money. Yep, you have to understand money is neutral. It can be yeah. used either for good or for evil. Think of people in your life who have used money just selfishly, wickedly, mm. done more harm than good. And yet the same amount of money in someone else's hands has changed lives, has benefited communities, has blessed people. So if people can understand that money's not good, money's not bad, how you use the money de yes. determines if it's good or bad. And what Jesus was saying is, hey, use that wealth, but use it for good. Yeah. Use it to impact people's lives, point them toward eternity. Yes. You know, I, you said three things in your sermon to avoid loving money, to avoid trusting money and avoid hoarding money. And, um, but I didn't hear you say, uh, don't not make money or <laughs> did I say that right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, those three things, uh, it's like a three-legged stool. Mm. You know, for a stool to stand up, you have to have three legs. One doesn't work. Two doesn't work. You need three legs. Yes. When you when you balance those three things that we talked about, it's, uh, it's so important. And many people forget about that last one. The don't hoard. Uh -huh. Don't hoard. Uh, so many people in our culture today, you know, we've said before, it's, you know, get all you can, can all you get, settle on the can. 
Yeah. That's the philosophy of the world. But really what scripture is trying to help us do is loosen your hands. Mm -hmm. uh, let, the, let your money go. Well, how can I be generous with money if I don't have any money? Mm -hmm. So I have, I have to make money. Making money is good. Some yes. of the most generous, uh, most benevolent people I've ever met in my life are multimillionaires. Mm -hmm. And you would never know it. They're multimillionaires, but they use their wealth for good. Yes. So uh, Jesus, you know, sometimes we think Jesus loves the poor. He also loves the rich. Absolutely. And, yeah. and wants them and pours money into their lives because very often the way people get rich is they're good money managers. Yes. And they've managed it for a long time and therefore they have discretionary income so that when needs come along, they're able to generously meet those needs. Yeah, and you, you touched on that this past Sunday uh, uh, in that, boy, we are a generation and, and, I'm, and I'm one of them, okay? But we are a generation that we, uh, I, I loaded up on a lot of college debt. Uh, I we we uh, we financed our cars. We financed our home. I know the home's a little different because it's a, kind of an investment. But on the other hand, we we I forgot to look this up, but it the the amount of debt per person in the United States is incredible. Yeah. And what does that do to the average disciple? Well, it creates worry, stress, destroys marriages, destroys family. Uh, the, you know, some people would say the, it's definitely one of the top two or three causes of divorce in America, mm. conflict over money. Yeah. It will destroy your health. So if people can really learn the biblical principles of don't go into debt, if you're in debt, get out of debt as quickly as you can. Mm -hmm. Don't live above your means. Don't live within your means. You got to learn to live under your means. Yeah. And when you live under your means, you're actually making more than you're spending, which creates this thing called savings, mm -hmm. discretionary income. And you know, the scripture we looked at Sunday said that you know, God, God provides so that we can enjoy. So he wants us to enjoy it. We don't give all the discretionary income away. We enjoy it with our, our, in our marriages, with our children, but we're also then able to give so we can enjoy a portion of the discretionary income, and we can meet the needs of others. Sean, how many times do you know people who who are really touched with a need mm -hmm. in our community, and they would love to give, they just don't have anything to give. Yeah. Their heart's big, mm -hmm. their bank account is empty, yeah. and there's the problem. Yeah, cannot give what you don't have. Um, you actually mentioned some of that we do at Grace. We have a special ministry. We love this ministry because it does free people up. And what's that ministry called? It's called Financial Peace University. Yeah. And we have Financial Peace University scheduled to begin in January. Oh, fantastic. We have now had over 500 people go through Financial Peace University here at Grace. Mm. It has changed their lives. Yeah. We've helped people get out of debt teaching them the principles of how to do it when they don't think they can, mm -hmm. they realize they can. Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. How do you get out of debt? $10 at a time, $20 yeah. at a time. But we've helped people get out of debt, learn to save for their kids' college, mm -hmm. learn to save for retirement, learn to save money for major 
uh, uh, purchases when appliances or cars break down. Mm -hmm. We've uh, taught people how do you save so you can pay cash rather than pull out plastic yeah. and make those purchases. Okay, so Rick, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the book just for a second. Um, Groeschel said a couple of things I think that were pretty powerful. Like on page sixty-five, he talks about how being rich is always relative to a shifting standard. That rich is a moving target. What, what does he mean by that? You could ask most people, hey, what's your definition of rich? Uh -huh. And it's the person who makes more money than me. <laughs> Right. So it doesn't matter how much you make, you're, you don't consider yourself rich. It's the person who makes a little more. I'm kind of normal. It, it, the people who make more than me, yeah, that, that's the rich people. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And it always moves. It just moves up. That's right. That's right. He, he also said something very startling to me. Um, he said that if you earn $37,000 a year, you are in the top 4% of all wage earners alive. And if you make more than, if you make 45000 or more a year, you're in the top 1%. Again, our problem is we like to compare ourselves with people in our neighborhood. Yeah. When you look at the global neighborhood mm -hmm. and you look at America's wealth, then all of a sudden you realize, oh, all those scriptures talking about rich people, yeah. that's me. Mm -hmm. uh, globally speaking, I'm in the wealth category. I'm in the rich category. Yeah. I remember one of the first times uh, we, we took a mission trip. So for those of you who don't know, I used to be the youth pastor here at Grace. And so we took annual mission trips down to Juarez, New Mexico, or Juarez, New Mexico, Juarez, Mexico, uh, to build houses. And they were 11 by 22. I mean, most people have storage shacks bigger than this, but to them... It didn't have any electricity. It didn't have any plumbing. All it had was four walls, two windows, a door, and a roof. I mean, it was sturdy. It was meant to handle a hurricane, but uh, I remember being so overcome by emotion. They were weeping, and they're so happy to, to receive the keys that we gave them to this house. Uh, and I thought, my kitchen, my kitchen's bigger than this place. Great example. Say that rich is relative. For those people, if they had the house that you built in a week, a one room, they were, in their neighborhood, they were wealthy. Yeah. They were rich. So it doesn't matter how much you make. That's not the key. It's how you manage and how you appreciate what you do have. Right. You know, management makes me think about stewardship. And, um, you know, how do we prepare? You know, okay, so... Rick, let's just say that, that I'm making X amount of money and I'm just thinking, I don't, I feel like my, my margins aren't allowing me to do that. I, I feel so pressed to be able to, there's, uh, what's the phrase? There's more month at the end of the paycheck or something. Yeah, more <laughs> month than there is money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how do we prepare then? Yeah, it, the key is start where you are. And uh, uh, some people will be overwhelmed. They'll read the Bible and it talks about giving 10% called mm -hmm. a tithe. And, and some people go, oh, I could never do that. So I'll do nothing. Mm. Well, where can you start? How, how could you begin to be generous with what you have? Yeah. We actually have more discretionary funds than we want to admit mm -hmm. because we waste a lot of money. 
and we spend on things that we really don't need. Things that we call necessities are really luxuries. Mm -hmm. So look at your life, look at your spending and say, how can I free up any income at all, any discretionary at all, and then start with there. So there's, there's two ways to jump in a swimming pool. You can jump in the deep end, or you can wade in the shallow end. Yeah. Some people, when they read those passages about giving, they just say, I'm going to step out and I'm going to jump in the deep end. And they just start giving 10%. And I've seen it. And, uh, and God blesses them. Yeah. Other people, that's a little too big of a stretch. Mm-hmm. And so they start in the shallow end. They say, okay, this month we're going to give 1%. Mm. And we're going to do that for a few months with the goal of, okay, now let's give 2%. Mm-hmm. And I've watched people do that so that over a year or two, before long, are actually tithing. Yeah, you know, one of the best tools that Dave Ramsey talks about in Financial Peace is the zero balance budget, where you tell your money where to go. Brent and I found out we had way more money, and we just we just kicked ourselves, thinking we just wasted. What do we do with all that money? And that was the sad part. We just we didn't know. Uh, we just frittered it away. Yeah, the friend who swore up and down, he was not wasting money. He knew where all of it was going. Somebody challenged him to put a little pad in his pocket and write down every single penny. If he bought a stick of gum, write it down. If he bought a, a soda, write it down. Mm. At the end of the month, he was blown away at how much money he was wasting. Yeah. Just wasting. So. It's you, if you don't tell your money, here's where I want it to go, then then it'll do its own thing. It'll go wherever it wants to go. Yeah. So we have to take discipline, be intentional, and say I'm going to control my money. Be disciplined, and when you do that, all of a sudden you get a true picture of, of where am I spending my resources. And yeah. when you do that, all of a sudden you do you see, wow, here's some discretionary income we could turn from a wasted category to a positive category. That's right. This really comes, all goes back to weird versus normal. Normal says, well, you know, what, what, who is informing my, my spending habits? Uh, It's not, it's not Jesus. (laughs) It's, it's somebody in New York or California telling me these are the values that I need. And these are the values that I should spend my money, which is not my money. It's God's money. Yeah, and the advertising industry loves it when people are normal because they're going to convince you you have no true happiness and joy until you buy this product. Wow. And so you buy the product, and it ends up in your closet, then in your garage in a box, <laughs> then in your storage shed that you're now paying $40 a month to keep the things that, frankly, when you die, your kids are going to haul to the dump. Yeah. So you've been... Paying monthly fees to store the junk that's going to the dump ground until you die. Yeah. And then you wonder, I don't have anything to give to orphans or to evangelism or anything like that. And uh, it's just wasted. Okay, something else here. Um, how do we promote? Okay, let, let's say that, we, that we're working on it. How do we promote more generosity in our lives? I think a big part of it is if, if money is too close to your eyes, you can't see needs. Mm-hmm. So you have to lower the priority of money. You have to say, money is not my world. Money is not my life. Money is a resource God gives 
And once you make that shift and say, I'm going to quit focusing on making more money, mm -hmm. I'm going to work on, I want to be a generous person. I believe God will help reorient your priorities. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to see needs right in front of your eyes. Yeah. You talked about that uh, in the sermon, didn't you? You know, if you if you hold something too close to your eyes, two quarters, mm -hmm. too close to your eyes, you can't see anything. In fact, Craig Rochelle, he talked about in Proverbs 22.9, he did a reversion, the New King James Version uh, of Proverbs 22.9, where it says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. And I thought, what a, what a, that's a great, I, I had to look that up actually in Hebrew to see if he was off, but he's not off. And uh, it's a powerful way to look at generosity. Um, so if you have a selfish eye, yeah, when you are at the store, you're going to see, I need that, I need that, I need that. Yeah. If you have a generous eye, when you leave the store, you'll be able to say, I could help there. Yeah. I could contribute time there, money there, resources there. That's right. It's, it all depends on your eye. That's right. That's right. You know, a couple of other things that we do here at Grace is that we have um, the Hope Fund. And uh, that's an important thing for us to be able to give back into uh, to bless people's lives whenever we fall in hard times. Yeah, the Hope Fund, it stands for Helping Other People Endure. And it's for uh, members of our church family that fall on hard times. Maybe they lose their job. Maybe yeah. Uh, a catastrophes happened in their life and they just don't have the financial resources. Right. Well, that's where the church family can be kind of that safety net. Yes. You know, the first safety net is your biological family, mm -hmm. but the second safety net needs to be your church family. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know how people make it in the world without a, a church family. That's true. Especially people who no longer have a biological family. Yeah. So, the Hope Fund tries to, to meet those practical needs, helping people temporarily through a difficult time. All right. Well, Rick, thanks so much for joining us uh, today. And thank you, listeners, for uh, coming in and, and sharing your time with us. Uh, you were generous with, uh, with your time, and we do appreciate that. Um, hey, we'd love to get feedback, and so please give us a rating and leave us a comment or let us know how we can pray for you. Um, oh, I would say a couple things that are coming up. We have a couple of really fun things happening. The first one is uh, Blocktoberfest at the end of the month. We love Blocktoberfest. October 31st, we'll have over 2,000 people on our church campus. And we're going to load them up with fun and candy, and it's a safe environment and a lot of security, and the kids have a blast. I understand this year's theme is the Toy Story, um. and there's going to be... Toy Story characters yes. walking on our campus. Uh, Rick, you going to come as Buzz Lightyear? Uh, I think I'm going to come as an aging pastor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, at least you got the wardrobe I can see right now. Uh, let's see, what else is going on uh, in, uh, uh, here at Grace? Well, we're going to continue this week with our weird series and Week three begins Sunday, and we're going to talk about weird relationships. Ah. We're going to look at how normal the culture is, and it isn't working. Mm -hmm. So God has a weird, different way, and I'm very excited about the topic. Fantastic. Why are you excited about the topic? Well, because you're preaching, not me. That's right. Yes. I get the power. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, also, for more information about Weird or Grace Community Church, please visit us online at grossandgrace.com. 
until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you.